Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Russ and Kim Klein. You know, we were singing that song about uh, the name of Jesus. Do you know that people that uh, study people's reactions, do you know that one of the most precious words to most people is their own name? There's something about names, and there's power in the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee bows, every tongue confesses. And so, you know, keep the name of Jesus close on your lips and in your heart. Pastor Brian and Ben, thank you so much for allowing us to come. It's just wonderful to reconnect, especially in the winter. Have you noticed how we always end up here in the winter? My mama didn't raise no dummy. Uh, we know how to, how to schedule. Anyway, if we've not had the, the privilege of meeting you, uh, Kim and I um, are coming up in May to 35 years married. And uh, 33 years uh, actually now traveling around the world. And so by, by the grace of God, we've been to six continents and about 40 nations declaring the word of the Lord, and we're so excited. And for 17 years, it was just Kim and I uh, traveling and ministering, and some of you know the story, but we could not have children. Doctors said it was medically impossible, but the audible voice of the Lord came to Kim and promised us that we would have a daughter. In fact, said her name would be Shekinah. And so we believed and, and declared for 17 years. I, we heard from Brent earlier that 17 is the number of victory. Um, and and uh, I was in... Um, I was actually in Pakistan in early 2001 with a friend of mine, a, f- a mutual friend of ours, who's actually a missionary in Jerusalem. He helps lead the prayer center, Sukkot Halal, there. And we were there ministering. Kim was not on that particular trip and found out for the first time in 17 years she was pregnant. And so Shekinah came, is 17 years old now. Let's see, how many airplanes has it you've been on? 407 and still counting. Uh, she's keeping at it. Been all over the world with us, all across Europe, U.S., Canada, Australia. And how many of you know, somebody was praying during the uh, pre-service prayer about the kids and the young people being here with us, and that kids don't have a junior Holy Spirit. They have the fullness of the Spirit within them, and that's how we wanted Shekinah to be raised. And so at five years old, she began laying hands on the sick with us and seeing them healed. At seven years old, she began to prophesy. And we've just watched over the last decade as God is increasing her prophetic vocabulary and drawing her closer into the Lord. And so it's, a, it's an honor to be able to share the Lord wherever we go as a family. I think that's one of the biggest comments we get as we travel is ministering together as a family. There's, how many of you know there's dynamic and release of power in teams? But there's no team closer and greater, I believe, than the initial team God established, and that was the family. And so we are honored and privileged to, uh, to do that. So we have been busy since we saw you last February, uh, spent several months in Europe. If you're familiar, um, follow missions at all, Europe is now considered the dark continent spiritually. Do you know that as far as percentage of population that's born again, Europe has the smallest born-again population of any continent on earth? Now, it's, it's what is it, 2.5%, 3% that is born again. And so God has given us great favor. We have a base church. Many years ago, a prophetess associated with Bill Hammond. Some of you know who Bill Hammond is. A prophetess associated with Bill Hammond prophesied to Kim and I that we would have more than one home and more than one place. Now, how many of you have ever misinterpreted a prophecy? In our 20s, that prophetic word came, and I thought we were going to own mansions around the world. (laughs) that has not transpired yet. But what God is doing is giving us home-based churches around the world. And one of those is a church in London. And and so we base there and minister there, traveling out to uh, the continent of Europe. We were there last October. We were there. I was there in the spring for a few months. We're going to be leaving the beginning of April and heading back over there. We'll be uh, ministering in Paris. We'll be in Amsterdam. We'll be in London. We'll be in Dublin. Be in several different places. And then, Lord willing, uh, possibly going to Israel on a ministry trip. How many of you love Israel? Even more now, right? Many of you just got back from there. When I was 19 years old and first starting Bible college, the Lord spoke something in my heart. And he said this. He said, Russ, the day's going to come when the apostles and prophets of God are going to again walk the streets of Israel and Jerusalem declaring the word of the Lord. And at that moment, God said to me, he said, you will get to be among them. 
Not that we're going to be the big cheese in Israel, but that we will get to be among those that are raising their voice and declaring the word of the Lord. So I've been over there twice now, and Lord willing, we're going to be going as a family. In the spring, we've connected with a ministry called the End Time Handmaidens, a very prophetic intercessory ministry. Uh, the new head of that ministry, as Grinshaw has now gone on to be with the Lord. And, and so we're, we're praying about that opportunity. But when we were over last fall, we saw God do some amazing things. And so Shekinah's going to tell you a quick story of a miracle that God did while we were there in October. So while we were in Europe, there was many amazing things that happened, and we went to many places, including this one beautiful little area called Isle of Wight. And we went there, and we had several services there, and we prayed for so many people. And one lady came up to me, and I was praying for her about some personal things going on in her life. And afterwards, she said that she had cancer. And... I told her I would pray for her, and I told her that I would keep her in my prayers. My parents had no idea what was said or what was prayed over that day about her, but a few minutes later, my mom had a word that she didn't know who it was for. She saw a big C and a little C. The big C was Jesus Christ, and the little C was cancer. And the big C was knocking over the little C. And I immediately turned to look at that lady, and she came up, and we prayed for her. About a week later, I received a text from her. She said that she had just gone to the doctor. And what did the doctor say? They said the cancer in the lymph nodes was completely gone. And she said it was the most amazing thing that she'd ever experienced in her life. And now she is going after the Lord. She's a firecracker for the Lord. And it kind of makes you think that, you know, we as humans think all of our problems are the biggest thing ever. That nothing can, um, like, nothing can compare against them. But you know what? We serve a really big God. Our God is, can um, heal depression. It can heal, heal sickness. It can heal cancer. It can heal family problems. It can heal any obstacle that you're going through. So you don't have to feel that everything is over if you're going through something bad. You know, God is a good God, and he is a faithful God. You've got to just trust that he knows what he's doing. You know, what's so amazing, not only was she healed, this woman was a Jehovah's Witness, and the revelation of Jesus Christ came to her, and even the greater miracle, she gave her life to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. Well, we do, we do covet your prayers, and later on when you have a chance to give, it's going to allow us to travel as a family to Europe. Uh, the, the end of this year, we're going to be going back to, Lord willing, to the Philippines, an invitation to China, to Australia, some other things that are happening around the world. Uh, Rwanda uh, invitation came about a week ago, India, so many places. But we want to go where God sends us. And, and so we cover your prayers, your love, and, and all of that. I tell you, before we get to the Word, Kim's going to share uh, what God's put on our heart. And then we're going to go to the Word for a few moments of time. And then we're going to ask God to open. And, and the Word came in the service tonight. The Word came in prayer beforehand that God is opening. Uh, the, he, the, the veil has been rent. The, the way is open. Access has been granted into the presence of God, into the throne room of the Lord. And we're going to ask God to release a revelation of anointing to take us into a new level or a new dimension of revelation understanding who Jesus is. So, uh, Shekinah, why don't we take a seat? And Kim, please. Oh, it's so good being here. I told you this last time. We feel a heart-to-heart -heart connect with you guys. Now, see, we travel all over the world, and we travel, and we've been to so many places, and we have great services most places we go because God's good. But there's only that handful of places that we feel that heart-to-heart -heart connect where there's so much excitement and you feel like you start flying around the room, you know? I love that. So um, I'm so glad to be here. You know, we had Shekinah's picture. We've been talking about 17. Shekinah's 17, Victoria's 17, and the $17,000 that just came in for y'all. All the different things. And I'm going to tell you, oh, and this church was planted in 2017. 
so many 17s. And um, like Pastor Bryn said, that 17 is the number of victory for the Lord. So I'm going to tell you a story about 17 from my own personal life. Now, we have Shekinah's picture. Now, I know we do something kind of quirky. Every year for Shekinah's birthday, we take a picture of her with the number spelled out or, the, 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 or just the number. And so this is her 17 picture. And I wrote on this card, and we sent it out to some people. And it says, we waited 17 years for this promise. Now our promise is 17. And so, I'm going to tell you a little story that was a real big heartache, but there was victory in the end. Now, I had been doing women's conferences all over the world for 10 to 11 years before Shekinah was ever conceived. And I had been told, because the Lord spoke to me audibly, I had a visitation of the Lord. I knew it was happening, even though doctors said it was medically impossible. I can't go into that whole testimony. Usually that takes about an hour and a half, and, and Russ would behead me if I did that. So I don't want to do that. So, so I've been doing all these conferences all over, saying one day Shekinah's coming. One day I talked about her by name. I mean, we had a nursery set up with her name on the wall and little pink things all over. And we had people so confused. We had her nursery set up for years before she ever came. And so we knew she was coming. The doctor said it was medically impossible that we could not have a child. And yet we knew she was coming. And so I was doing these women's conferences in all these other nations, and I would tell them this. I would take one of the nights of the women's conference, and I would tell them this is what's going to happen. Give them everything but the victory ending at the end. And so I am pregnant. Russ is in Pakistan. And I got on the phone, and it was like Little House on the Prairie phone lines over there. But I finally tracked him down, and, and our friend Gary Klein was in the room with him. And, and I looked at him, and I, I said over the phone, I said, now, baby, are you sitting down? And he goes, well, what's wrong, Kim? And he said, I said, no, nothing is wrong. Shekinah is on the way. And I still remember that so well. Well, now we are scheduled to be ministering throughout Europe again. I'm pregnant now, and this is going to be our victory tour. Our victory tour. I'm going to tell about Shekinah everywhere we go because God is so good. And even what the doctor said, I mean, it didn't matter because God is so good. So, I mean, this was going to be my message, and all these different countries are going to. Now, this is where it gets a little dicey. So, I am pregnant. I'm excited. I've been to the doctor. And um, they really didn't want me to go, but I just had to do it. And so, I'm over there. But they did some really big tests before I le left for Europe. And um, we're over there ministering in all these places and having victory services. Miracles are coming. And I tell you what, so many, so many childless couples were having kids. It was so cool. We were laying hands. It was like this anointing was just like this charge. And all these kids were happening. And so it was so cool. And then we were in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And Russ would call back home to listen to our answering machine every couple days just to see where we were at. And so he called, and there is a message from the doctor's office back home in Virginia. And it says, this is very serious. We need you to call us immediately. Well, that didn't sound so good. Well, Russ calls, and they said in the test that they had done before we left for Europe, it looked like Shekinah had a really good chance of having Down syndrome. The markers were in my blood. And I tell you what, that was hard to hear. And I just felt like I had just been punched in the stomach. I mean, it was so awful. I remember we were staying with somebody in Belfast, and I started actually running down the street just screaming because I, I just couldn't, it couldn't compute with me. I am saying, God, I don't understand this. How? What you showed me in the vision, she, she didn't have Down syndrome. When you showed me this, and the enemy started working on me overtime. Have you ever had that happen? Just telling me, well, you know what? That was probably pie in the sky stuff. You really didn't hear God. And, you know, and maybe she'll just be healed of it later on. And that's the reason that she'll be on big platforms in the future. I mean, all these different things going through my head. And I was so overwhelmed. 
And I got back to the little place we were staying. Actually, we were staying in bunk beds. And so I got on my bunk bed on the bottom, and I cried, and I had broken out in such a sweat because I was so anxiety-ridden. The whole mattress was just soaked in tears and sweat. And I kept saying, Lord, I don't understand. Why? Why? And I kept hearing the Lord say just one thing to me. He said, trust me. That's what he said, trust me. And I'm saying, okay, I trust you. Just tell me that she doesn't have Down syndrome. I trust you. I trust you. And he just says, trust me. He wouldn't say anything else. But I knew it was God speaking to me. But I was such an anguish, I could barely even control myself at that time. I could, please, God, please, I need an answer. And finally, a couple hours later, the Lord started giving me an envision form. Trust. I saw five rocks laid out, and on each rock there was a letter. And it said T-R-U-S-T. The five rocks spelled out the word trust. It had a letter printed on the, the rocks. And I said, okay, God, I know you're my rock, and I trust you, but please tell me that she doesn't have Down syndrome. And still, he just kept showing me the same vision. Now I'm seeing it in vision form. I'm hearing him. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And it was hard to hear. And finally, finally, a few hours later, I hear the Lord speak to me very gently in my ear. And he says this. He says, Kim, do you remember when I spoke to you audibly? in that Baptist church in Springfield, Missouri. And I said, oh, Lord, I'd never forget that. And it was a moment that God spoke to me audibly. His out loud voice boomed out and said, I will make you a Hannah. That was the only words he said. And I wasn't even praying about having kids. It was this holy, awesome moment of God where it was so loud I thought the walls had probably crumbled around me. That's how loud it was. And so I said, yes, Lord, you said you'll make me a Hannah. And then he says, well, now what was the child that Hannah got for her promise? And I said, well, that would have been Samuel, Lord. And so this is what he said. He said, how many years have you been waiting for your promise? And I said, you know, Lord, it's been 17 years. And the Lord says, because you've answered these questions like this, pick up the Bible beside your little bunk bed. And turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I didn't know what it was at that time. I picked it up and I started reading and it's the story of David and Goliath. And then when you get to verse 40, verse 40 in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, it says these words, and David picked up five smooth stones from the brook. I had been seeing the five stones laid out with the word trust written on them over and over. And I said, okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. And you know how hard it was to just keep trusting God. You are my rock. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And that's what I had to keep saying because I had to be sent home then, and they did all kinds of tests on me. I won't go into all of that, but it was very, very detailed stuff. And they even told me, well, if you want to terminate, you need to do it now because we're approaching the end limit of, of um, abortion. And I looked at that doctor and I said, even if she has Down syndrome, there is no way I am killing my baby. I mean. And they wanted to do more tests. And, but this next test was even more detailed and it could cause a miscarriage. And I said, no, no more tests. No more tests. We did not know until the day she was born that she did not have Down syndrome. So after waiting 17 years, our promise came, and now our promise is 17 years old. And God is a good God. When our doctor, who is one of our best friends, pulled her out after the emergency C-section, he was crying. Tears were pouring down his face. And he says, Russ and Kim, she does not have Down syndrome. She does not have Down syndrome. <laughs> 
And so that is my Victory 17 story. And I want you all to have lots of victory stories too here at Victory. You know, God's a good God. We've got to trust though. Hold on and trust him. In fact, when I go through a bad situation sometimes now, I see myself um, I see myself holding on to a cross here and a cross over here, holding on. Because the Lord did speak to me when I saw it lined out and I saw the words. The word T at the beginning of trust and the, word, the letter T at the end of the, the, the word trust, it was not just a regular T, it was a cross. So the trust begins and ends with the cross. That's where it begins and ends with. And so when I start going through a situation like that, I reach out and I actually will reach out like this with both hands and like I'm grabbing onto the trust and saying, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. We love you guys. We're going to take just a few moments and share. Guys, one of the benefits, one of the blessings, as you not only move in three weeks to uh, a secondary temporary location, it's going to take the time constraints off. But, of course, we are believing with you for the miracle of your own property, your own building, and many of you know the story of that. But um, we want to be sensitive to our time frame tonight. So we're going to declare a few things the Lord has stirred on my heart. When we were with you last year, I believe I began to share some things God had been stirring in my heart about moving into a dimension of revelation that, uh, that God is calling us into, inviting us into, but not everybody has been willing to pay the price and go into a new level or new dimension. During the pre-service prayer, some prophetic words are coming forth during the, uh, the intercession time and from different ones praying. And one of those things was about going to new levels. Another one of those things was about God opening the way to the throne room of God and the, the rainbow that looked like an emerald around the throne of God. And last year, I believe I started speaking to you from the book of Revelation in chapter 4, where John the Revelator said, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and I heard a voice saying, come up here, and I'm going to show you what is about to happen. Kim and I have been privileged by the Lord to be in prophetic ministry for 32 of the 33 years that we have been traveling around the world. And by the grace of God, God put in our lives seasoned prophets, and we've been learning and growing. And I love the prophetic anointing. I love revelation to see the Lord, to declare Him, to make Him known. But one of the things that's stirring in my heart that is a challenge, it's exciting, but it's also vexing, if you will, to my soul, is that so much of prophetic anointing and prophetic ministry in the Church of America today is at what I believe a very low level. Uh, and, and we sometimes get stuck in the rut of the prophetic that we've known, and we're not willing to pay the price to move into the greater expression of what God has called us to. And I believe there's an invitation into this higher level, or the way the Lord put it in my heart, is a higher dimension of revelation. I don't know about you, I don't want just another level. I don't want just a few more people saved, a few more people healed, a few more details and prophesying over somebody's life. I want to see something that is heaven coming to earth. And that's opening a different dimension to us. But I believe that God is looking for people that are willing to pay the price. Now, we understand Jesus paid the price on the cross. The veil has been rent. But Brian, Pastor Brian, reminded us during prayer that approaching the throne of God is not something we do carelessly, but it takes humility. One of the things as we uh, got in town from Orlando a few hours ago, had a chance to go with pastors and, and visit uh, places where God may be uh, leading the church. One of the things the Lord spoke in my heart is that uh, it is time to take our shoes off our feet. Now, I'm not saying that we have to do that physically necessarily, but that God is looking for a humility to advance us into the next level, the next season, the next dimension. You see, part of prophetic ministry is to announce seasonal shifts and bring the church into that time frame. One of the things that we have found in traveling internationally, and those of you that have traveled, those that went to Israel, how many of you know that transitioning from the time frame you're used to to another time, six hours away, 12 hours different, it's, it's taxing on the body. 
And travel experts will tell you, if you want to be able to transition through jet lag and not let it, uh, you know, destroy you for a couple of days, you need to start living a week ahead of time like you're already on the new timetable. Does that make sense? One of the things I believe God is telling the church is if we want to transition into the future that God is calling us to, we need to start living, thinking, confessing, declaring, praying, prophesying today like we're already living in tomorrow. Now the people that are no, don't have that revelation, that's senseless. It's foolish, but God is calling us to begin to walk into that level and that dimension. Of prophesying and declaring like we're already in the future that God has planned for us. John the Baptist was a transitional prophet. And it said, when Jesus was speaking about John in Matthew chapter 11, he said to the crowds, who did you go to see? Did you go to see a prophet when you went to hear John the Baptist? He said, yes, I tell you, he's a prophet, but more than a prophet. Have you ever wondered what more than a prophet is? You see, being around prophetic circles and conferences for many years, I know what it is to have amazing prophets around, and they're flying around the heavens, and they're telling people their address and kids' names and birthdays, and I rejoice in all of that. But God is wanting to bring the prophetic church to a place where we're not just prophesying more details where we're not just trying to outdo one another about who can prophesy what's going to happen in the election or what's going to happen, uh, you know, 10 years from now, but that God is bringing forth an anointing that's more than a prophet. What is more about what, what is it that set John the Baptist apart from the Old Testament prophets? You see, the Old Testament prophets declared what was going to happen, but there was no manifestation of Jesus. With John the Baptist, he didn't just declare Jesus is coming. He actually brought Jesus right into the circumstance. You see, part of prophetic anointing that we rejoice in but also chafe at is that there are promises that are still far off. And we sometimes lose hope in the midst of the battle. But can I tell you, there's a prophetic anointing coming. that's going to say not just revival's coming, but revival's here. That's not just going to say Jesus is going to bring a healing, a miracle, but it is manifest at that moment of time. John said, he's coming, but there he is. And I believe God is calling us to be messianic, if you will, in our prophetic anointing. See, because for years we try to prophesy about politics, we prophesy about economy, we prophesy about details, and again, all these things are fine. But how many of you know what's going to change America is going to be the revelation of Jesus? All the other things are important. I'm not, I'm not uh, throwing that aside. But until America sees Jesus, the soul of our nation will not change. We may change laws. We may change politics. But until the soul of America changes, it's really pointless. And I think sometimes we think because we won a battle over here, a battle over there at the ballot box or in the cultural arena, which are great, that that means revival is here. Guys, we have got to reveal Jesus. And Isaiah is a prophet I want to look at just for a moment. Isaiah chapter 6. He was called the Messianic prophet because more than any other Old Testament prophet, he revealed Jesus. And you remember in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he began to describe what he saw in the heavenly realm. He saw God sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up his train, filled the temple. He saw the seraphim with six wings. They were crying one to another, holy, holy, holy. And at the voice of crying to one another, the holiness of God, the very uh, thresholds of the temple and the doorway shook, and the place was filled with the smoke of the Shekinah glory of God. It was in that place that Isaiah then said, and then I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I've seen the king, I recognize how unworthy I am. And I recognize the sin and the debauchery and the perversion and the evil and the wickedness of the people that I dwell among. And then in that place, his lips were touched with a coal of fire. That was where I believe the prophetic anointing came upon Isaiah to declare Jesus. 
You see, many of us in the prophetic realm, we want to fly around the heavens. We want to see angels and, and hear the voice of the trumpet. And yet we don't want to go by way of the altar and the fire. And it was in that place then when Isaiah's lips were touched, he said, then I heard a voice saying, who will I send and who will go for us? I believe God is calling us to a threefold vision. That's an upward vision, an, out, an inward vision, and an outward vision. Again, I'm not going to have the time or take the time to try to expand on all of those. But in that place of vision, Isaiah's eyes are open, and he began to see into the heavenly realm. You know, Kim has been caught before the Lord one time in the third heaven realm. Happened in Poland in 1989. I've never had that experience. And I, I, you know, I appreciate people that say they've been caught here and caught there and seen this and seen that. But honestly, and I don't mean to be critical with this, I don't necessarily believe a whole lot of the reports. I think sometimes we allow our imagination to work and then we call it prophetic. I understand God can speak on the mind of the imagination. I teach on this stuff around the world like many other people do. But guys, I want something that's deeper and more real than just imagining something. I want an experience with God, a revelation that shakes me to the core of my being. That's what Isaiah encountered. You know, in Revelation 4, we were talking about the door open into the heavenly realm. You know that much of what Isaiah saw is also described there in Revelation chapter 4. And when, Isaiah, when John the Revelator is taken into this revelational realm, it says he saw 24 elders sitting on 24 thrones around the throne of God. Bible scholars say that pretty much it is understood that these elders are not angelic beings. They are actually human beings that are ruling and reigning with Christ. I believe this speaks of the government of God. And we're not going to try to get into all the eschatology and time theology of how it is, but we pray a prayer. Let your kingdom come. Where? Here. As it is there. I believe we're entering into a season of governmental revelation and governmental authority in the church where we are going to rule and reign with Jesus. I don't believe we're going to necessarily perfect the earth, but I do believe that God's raising up men and women that are going to have such authority and trustworthiness of the heart of God. Gary Klein, a good friend of ours, I told you it works in Jerusalem, he says it this way, how can God trust us with his authority if we don't have his heart? Let me give you a, a little beef I have right now with some of the prophetic ministry. There are people prophesying destruction on America. Look, we must be incensed over the murder of babies. Look, we live in Virginia. If you've been following the news, you know the, 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 just the chaos going on in the government of my state right now. I mean, the, 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 the demonic uh, grins and smirks in New York as they were signing the bill to kill children right to the point of birth. We ought to be incensed by this. But what bothers me is it seems like there's a whole prophetic dimension of the church that are declaring judgment on America, and they are enjoying it. See, when I was a street preacher back in the day, I went to Mardi Gras, New Orleans. We were standing across from a gay bar, and there was a street preacher, and he had a big old 20-pound Thompson Chain reference Bible. He was standing across in the gay bar, and he was screaming, Sodomites will burn in a lake of fire. Now, here's the thing. I believe homosexuality is a sin, and I believe they can be set free from it. But you know what disturbed me is the guy seemed to enjoy telling them they were going to burn in hell. The problem, in my opinion, was not with the theology. It was with the heart. Where is the heart in the church of America that is not delighting and declaring judgment, but is crying, God, deliver our nation, declaring life and not just judgment? You see, I don't believe we will have governmental authority on earth as in heaven until we have the heart of Jesus. That takes revelation. Around the throne of God, it says there were lightnings and thunders. Do you know what lightning does? Have you ever been in a lightning storm? You walk outside in a lightning storm, and even if lightning has not struck near you, you feel the electricity in the air. 
There is something about the activity of heaven that will change and charge the very atmosphere of our cities. You know, when, when, when Shekinah and I in homeschool do science, do you know that lightning has the ability to change the very chemical composition of the air and the atmosphere? When we bring the atmosphere of the kingdom of God, it's not just going to be the words they speak and the votes we do at the ballot box. It's going to change the very atmosphere and smell of the air around us. It's going to change it. You know what lightning does? It cleanses the atmosphere from pollution. You want to see, you want to see America cleansed? It's not just going to happen at the Supreme Court level. That's a battle we need to fight. But it's going to happen in the realm of the Spirit. And so we can change laws, but it's going to change the pres take the presence of God to change the heart and the atmosphere where we are. It will change. It will cleanse. It will charge the atmosphere. We talk about miracles. I mean, you know, miracles are not primarily for church services. They're out there. That means you don't have to wait to come to church to get charged up with the anointing. You have the anointed one in you. And you take that out there. But you know what else lightning does? Lightning and thunder will cause fear to those that don't know how to be protected in the midst of it. One of the things I believe is that there's a lack of the fear of the Lord. Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Kim has said it. Shekinah has said it. I've said it today already. God's a good God. We thank God. He is. But he's also judge. I love the fact that he is daddy God, father God, Abba, father. But can I tell you, he's also holy. And I think in the midst of the God's always in a good mood and the you know, hyper grace, you know, I think in the midst of all of it, we have missed the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And I believe that we must see a return, that we don't trifle with the presence of God. We don't just play in the presence of God. Now understand, we're not afraid of judgment as children of the Lord. But we also respect and honor His presence. Lightning, thunder. You know, in Scripture, in Psalm 29, I believe it is, thunder is compared to the voice of the Lord. God, give us voices in the pulpit again that will thunder. Not some mealing out. Can I tell you, the spirit of... of, of um, well, it's not just Jezebel. It is the spirit of feminism that has so infiltrated the church that we have spiritually limp-wristed wimps in our pulpits today that are afraid of offending anyone. I'm not, remember what I said, we've got to love people. But out of love, Jeremiah did not pull punches. He was the weeping prophet. God, give us voices that will thunder. And when thunder comes, have you ever, Kim and I uh, uh, met in Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, which used to be part of uh, Tornado Alley. In fact, on our first date, five tornadoes touched down in the city. I hope that was not a, a precursor of anything. Do you know when thunder, have you ever been in a thunderstorm that the thunder's so strong it literally shakes the ground, shakes the building? I want to say there's about to be a release of the prophetic voice of the Lord that's going to shake our cities and our nation. And they're going to have to pay attention. But catch this. Do you remember the voice of the Lord with Paul, Saul, Paul? When the voice of the Lord came, it was like thunder to everybody else around, but only Paul understood. Let me tell you, in what God is about to do in the voice of the Lord's coming, only those who have an ear to hear are going to be able to hear what God's saying. We could go on and on. We talk about the, the, uh, the, the living creatures that are full of eyes. It speaks of God bringing a dimension of seeing and illumination and revelation the church has not yet tapped into. But in that place of seeing upward, Isaiah had the willingness to see inward. And this is where I'm concerned about the prophetic movement and the signs and wonders movement overall. Look, I'm 55 years old. I'll be 56 next month. I may not be an expert in everything, but I've been doing this prophetic stuff for a long time. And God's beginning to allow us to be a father and mother some in the prophetic anointing, the prophetic movement. And here's what concerns me. There's a young generation arising in the prophetic that have been raised in a post-biblical culture. 
They have no understanding, no respect for the word of God, and I'm not coming against them for that. And then they encounter Christ. They're truly born again, and then they go to my meetings, or they go here or there, and they get trained about how to prophesy, how to cast out devils, how to heal the sick. But they're not taught in many of these conferences and many of these places about dying to self, about holiness, about humility. And so they go, and they'll prophesy. They'll tell you your address, tell you details about your life, cast out your demons. Then they go get drunk. They go sleep around. They see nothing wrong with homosexuality and abortion. And yet they're prophesying, and I can't help but think of Matthew 7. It says, in that day they will come and say, did we not do all these things in your name? I'm not trying to be condemning. But we have got to see a church that is willing to not just see the revelation up there, but to turn our eyes inward as Isaiah did. And he didn't just say, look at the sin, look at Virginia, look at New York. He said, woe is me. Until repentance is released again in the church, I don't believe we're going to have the authority to see the release of of repentance out in our culture. Again, you can expand that outwardly. But then lastly... Isaiah saw an outward vision. And he said, the voice of the Lord came and said, who will I send? My mom got a hold of me yesterday. Mom will be 80 years old in in April. She watched a message I preached just a few weeks ago at our, our former home church in Virginia. And she said, Russ, I've never seen you preach with such an authority. And I said, here's the reason. Because I can go and God will bless. But when I'm sent, there's an authority of the Lord. I want to go not just because there's need out there. There's always going to be need. God wants us to know where he sent us to. And when he sends us with an apostolic authority, can I tell you the lightnings and the thunders of heaven are going to be released. And what Isaiah experienced in this revelational moment was the fire of God. And I think it was during prayer Brian started saying, fresh fire, fresh fire, over and over. And that's how I want us to approach the Lord today, is for a fresh fire from the altar of heaven. Would you stand to your feet, please? I thank God. I believe what Kim shared, what Shekinah shared, is what was needed for tonight. I believe in what Pastor did in having us pray and declare over our friends, over this baby, over Micah. Guys, I'm not upset that I only have a few minutes to preach. (laughs) Can I tell you, though, I hope that you can catch the meat of it in the midst of trying to figure out how to say it in a short time. But what I desire, what I believe God desires for us is to open our eyes to see. Jesus is the door. We come in because of him. And in that place, God opens our eyes, and we will see in the realm of the Spirit as we've never seen before. And in that place, God will touch us, and the fire of God will be on your mouth. When you begin to open your mouth, you will not be speaking your opinions. How many of you got plenty of opinions? The world doesn't need my opinion. The world needs the word of the Lord. So, Father, we lift our hands. God, we ask that you would release the revelational realm of heaven. God, we want to be have it spoken over us like John the Baptist, that we are not just a prophet but more than a prophet. God, we want to be known not just for being able to give people revelation about their life, their past, their present, their future, but God, we want to be known as a people of the presence of Jesus, that everywhere we go, the presence of Jesus accompanies us, that the very fragrance of heaven is so interwoven and intertwined with the very spiritual DNA of which we are made, that God, everywhere we go, the very fragrance of heaven is released. And Lord, that the atmosphere begins to change. Lord, that when we go into the streets, into the schools, into the places of business, oh Lord, that there's something about the very presence of Jesus that causes the city and the nation to take notice. God, we pray that you would release the spirit of revelation. Lord, you said during the prayer time, new levels, Lord, you've talked about opening the throne room dimension. God, that's not just a one-time experience. 
but that is walking into a whole new room, as it were, a whole new place in God. And so, Lord, tonight we pray that we would see the doorway of Jesus and that we would willingly walk in. Would you take just a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to show you, to give you a picture in your spirit of a doorway standing in front of you, but the door is not closed. If you have Christ as your Savior, He is the door, not only to salvation, but He is the door to all things in God. He is the way to the blessing, to the healing, to the provision, but even more, He is the way to the revelation of the throne of God. So Lord, let us see in our mind's eye, in our spirit. Let us see the open door. And we say yes. Lord, we're not waiting for somebody to come throw us into the door. But God, we willingly take a step forward. Would you do that? You may have a chair in front of you. You you might have to just do it by an inch. But would you just willingly, prophetically, take a step forward as if you are approaching the doorway of heaven? God, tonight, we pray that we would open our eyes and see, open our ears and hear. And then, Lord, in that place, would you touch our lips with a coal of fire? Look, tomorrow evening, Kim and I and Shekinah are going to have the privilege of meeting with the leadership. And in that time, we want to break apart, break down uh, some of these different things we're talking about, have opportunity for prayer, for prophecy, for individual ministry, especially on the leadership level. But tonight, on a corporate level, tonight on a corporate level, would you do this? Would you touch your lips? And would you ask God to loose the fire of God on your mouth, on your lips, that you and I together we become a mouthpiece of the Lord, that the word of God in our mouth would be as fire in the hearts of the people as grass, consumed not in destruction, but consumed by the passion of the Lord. So God, even as Pastor was saying to us during prayer, we declare fresh fire. Fresh fire. Lord, we pray that, Lord, over the next day, days, weeks, that the doorway of heaven would be open. That dreams, that visions, that encounters with the Lord would not be just the domain of a few people we call prophets, but God, that every born-again son and daughter of the Lord would see that they have welcome access and invitation into the very presence of Almighty God. Lord, would you release governmental authority? God, I know in the natural because of my friendship with Brian and Brent. God, because I was with Brian in Washington, D.C. right before the election a few months ago. God, I know the anointing and the calling on his life, but God, also on this church, Lord, for a governmental release, a governmental authority. Again, there's so many areas you go in ministry, but here's one thing I want to do. God, for Brian for Brand and God for this church if I could pray one thing tonight it would be this God may you give them your heart so you can release your authority God they have anointing they have a measure of authority but God I pray that this church would be overwhelmed with the tears of the Lord over not only the sin of America but over the promise of God waiting for America. Lord, let the Jeremiah anointing of the weeping prophet be released. God, give us your heart. Release your fire. Open the doorway. 
God, as we walk in a few moments from this building, Lord, we don't walk away saying, well, I didn't get a word. I didn't get hands laid on me. May we walk away challenged to pursue the higher realms of the revelation of the throne of God. And God, it's not because we deserve it. It is through Jesus. And so, Lord, symbolically in our hearts, we take the shoes off our feet, for we desire to enter into holy ground. And Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is coming. Your will is being done in Sarasota, in America, and to the nations to which you send us. For the honor and the glory and the fame of the name of Jesus. stand still. Just please put your hand over your heart. Ministers are not cheerleaders. Ministers are not pom-pom squads to get people into adrenaline, to hype, to something euphoria. But men and women of God are brought to release the word of the Lord so that we tremble and fear and honor his word and we say yes to it. There is such a special invitation that the Lord is courting us and wooing us before his throne to say yes as, as a family. It's not hype. This is very real. It's very holy. God wants to bring us into a realm of the glory of the Lord that we, we just didn't even know was possible. We, we just didn't even know this was available to us. So tonight, for your life, for your family, for this house, I just simply want us to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Did that that is our answer. Yes, Lord. Do it here in us, Lord. And may we humble ourselves continually. May we honor the King. May we seek the face of God. And may the Lord make us everlasting in this pursuit. We receive this greater dimension. It is ours in Jesus' name. We say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.